18 through 27. Now it happened that he was praying alone. The disciples were with him. And he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others say, Elijah, and others, that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God. And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. The word of the Lord. We are spending a third week on this very important text. And in some ways, it's not, as you notice, I'm not even really preaching through the whole text. I'm really sitting on verse 23 and 24. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And in these words, I believe there is a pathway into a whole, a whole life, a whole life that has a whole different perspective on suffering and on hurting than the way we tend to think um, here in America, um, here within our prosperity, especially here in Silicon Valley with all our science and our technology and all our advances and the ways that we think that we can engineer and so-called fix our lives and drain it of all suffering. But you can't. <laughs> Even if there is no such thing in your life as, um, as, as financial loss, which I, I hope that's the case for you, that you won't have any uh, financial poverty in your life. That's probably not true for all of you. I'm, well, I'm sure it's not true for all of you. Uh, or maybe even most of you or that you don't even have sickness, or that, um, uh, or that in some other way that you, you escape something like depression, even those types of sufferings. But it's impossible that there will not be suffering in this life. People will die. And there's something else that I want to talk about in today's message, and that is that... If you really love, if you really love anybody, 
you will suffer. That's part of it too. And in loving somebody, guess what? There must be a cross. There must be. Because if you're going to love somebody, well, sometimes they're hard to love. You haven't noticed? Because they're sinful. (laughs) Sometimes they're hard to love because I'm sinful. Because I don't want to do it. But I do. And my sin, my sin makes sure that my love isn't, it's not big enough. It's not strong enough. Sometimes in loving, it just hurts because they hurt. And when they hurt, if you really love them, you will suffer. And therein. Therein, there's a cross to pick up. That's part of what Jesus is talking about here. This, is, uh, this message, in, ma- in many ways, it is a part three. It, I feel like I'm giving you a two-hour sermon spread over three, three weeks. This is just a, a, a continuation of last week's sermon. In, in the first week, I told you something very important, which is, kind of the, this part of this point, that suffering is the acid test of real love. It's an acid test of real love. And today I'm going to return to that point. And I want to say that if we are going to be people really of God, it is, only, it is not only that Jesus has taken a cross in our place and for us, which is absolutely true, but it's also that he has taken a cross to show us a pathway for us to pick up a cross to love others, something like the way he has loved us, which is real love. We talk about this in three points. Part one, united to Christ by sharing in his suffering. Sharing in his suffering. We're united to Christ. If you believe in Jesus, giving your life over to him and surrendered life to what he has done for you and done for me, then you are united to Jesus, all of Jesus, including his suffering. Part two, I'd like to talk about the drama of particular love through the sharing and the suffering of Christ. There's a drama of particular love. And it's very important that it's particular. We don't only love in the general. I just love all the people out there. I just love poor people out there. Whenever I hear people say that, I'm just going, this person has no idea what they're talking about. They don't really love anybody. I just love everybody. That means you don't love anybody. No, you love specific, particular people. And that's the way God loves us. And part three, the eternal weight of glory. Because that's what this pathway is toward. There's a pathway through the cross, through the suffering of love, to an eternal weight of glory. That's the stuff of heaven. That's the stuff of heaven. Um, To start this message, Jesus says to take up a cross and whoever would save his life will lose it. 
It does feel like we're losing and dying, doesn't it? When we enter into suffering and taste of other suffering because we really love them. Um, but I, I want to just take you. So if you have a Bible with you, I, I want to do Let me see if we can just try to do this quickly. Um, go to, just let's go to three passages. And I want to show you how prevalent this is. There's, this isn't even all the passages. These are just three of multiple. But just show you quickly. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. If you have a, one of our, our pew Bibles, that's on page 964. So you can quick, um, quickly go there. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is verse 5. So you can just follow me. I want, I want you to see it there, right there, in your, with your own eyes in the passage when I go through these, when I go through these verses. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 5, this is what it says. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings. You hear that? We don't just share in Christ's sufferings. We're supposed to share abundantly in Christ's sufferings. That's just the craziest thing ever. The, the last thing we want here in America is to share any suffering. Let alone to share a lot of it. So here's like, so as we share in a lot of Christ's sufferings, not just a little, and that's what most of us want. Oh, okay, 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 sharing suffering, okay, uh, that's in the Bible. Uh, okay, just a little of that, please, Jesus. Just a tiny, it's like the tiniest little bit. Just a teeniest little bit of spinach so I can get on with the candy and the, and the steak and the meat and all the other good stuff that I like to eat. And just a tiny little piece of spinach. That's kind of how we feel. Are. But it says right here, as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. The pathway to great and a lot of comfort in life is to share abundantly in Christ's sufferings. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. So go backwards to page 942. So whip back to 942. Go to Romans chapter 5, this is verse 3 to 6. Again, this is, this, this, is a, this is how the Bible presents suffering. Not only that, I mean, this is what he talks about before, but I'm going to just jump into a middle. We rejoice in our sufferings. That's even crazier. First, let's say uh, we're supposed to share in a lot of suffering, but... We rejoice in our sufferings because this is what suffering brings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love, here we go, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us for while we were still weak. Not when we were strong, while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's verse 3 through 6. There's a whole pathway that as we, as we go into suffering, there's a whole pathway that will take us from suffering to endurance and endurance to character, character to hope. Hope that does not put us to shame, and then that will give us something deep of the love of God. That's the way the Bible presents it. Um. Go later now. Go to page 981. This is Philippians chapter 3. So I'll go to that here. 
It's such a tremendous passage. Philippians 3. Give me a moment here. I should have been there already. Apologize for that. Uh, here we go. All right. Philippians 3. This is an extraordinary passage. It's the kind of passage that when I read it, I know, <laughs> I know nothing is like Christianity. No other religion ever talks like this. No other worldview, no secular worldview, no secular philosophy. I've read most of them. I'm, I'm a nerd like that. And you guys know that I, I study these crazy things. I've read the atheist philosophers. I've read the Christian philosophers. I've even read some of this Buddhist stuff and Muslim stuff. Not, not that I know those things deeply. But nobody talks like this. Except those people who have encountered the gospel. And he talks about how he counts everything a loss. I'm willing to lose. I'm willing to lose. I'm willing to lose because something greater... And this is what he goes toward. So if you go to Philippians chapter 3, let's go to verse 8. Indeed, I count everything as loss. I'm going to lose everything because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as garbage as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Now listen to this part. Here's the part. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, and now here's the next part, and may share His sufferings. I actually want to share His sufferings. I will count all this stuff as lost. I will throw things away so that I may know Him, that I may actually share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. Why? So that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I will have eternal life. I'll have Jesus forever and ever. I will know Him. I actually want to share His sufferings. This is how Paul thinks. Heavy, insane. Um, let me just say a little something about this before we get into the second part of my message. Um, look, in this life, we we are we like to look for happiness, and our definition of happiness, like I, like I said in the first message of this series, has utterly no suffering in it. It's just comfortable. My picture of that is my ties on on Hawaiian beach. Where I look super great, my wife, who's a babe, looks super great. We never get sick, and we have more money than we'll ever possibly need. And none of my family or friends ever get sick. That's, that's my picture. And then we say, we are happy. <laughs> that's right. It's, the, it's this Corona commercials. Those, those ridiculous, I actually like those commercials, honestly. <laughs> okay, uh, and um, Corona's an okay beer, but I like those Corona commercials, okay? Um, but that's not a good enough life. The Bible presents a different life. 
And the life that the Bible presents is of holiness. And what does holiness mean? Holiness means without sin. And in the life of holiness, there is a joy. The Bible doesn't use the word happy. The Bible uses something more rugged and deeper and more powerful called joy. And the Bible says God wants for us not merely happy, because actually that word's not in the Bible. (laughs) He wants us joy. And joy comes from holiness. There's a lot of other things that come from holiness. Things like mercy and forgiveness and steadfastness and patience and generosity. Contentment. These are some of the things that come from holiness. But why holiness? Pastor, I I don't know what holiness is like. And I am so unholy. (laughs) I am too. We all are. But why is holiness so much to be desired? And and this is an argument that I want to make to you. Do you really want love in your life? Do you want to be loved? If you really want to be loved, when the other person loves you, do you want to find out that they have a big chunk of selfish, nasty, sinful agenda when they tell you, I love you? The, the, the dad who only loves his son if his son excels in school. I love you only when you make me look good because you get all A's. Asian kids know something about that. Is that the love you want? See, you know what that is? There's something wrong with that love. You know what that is? It's sin. It's unholy. If you want real love, guess what you need? You need a piece of holiness. That's what needs to happen. I only love you as long as you have a nice figure. (laughs) And then, once we get to about middle age, I'm going to trade you in for a younger model. I only love you, my dear husband, as long as you bring home the bacon and we get to live in this nice house. But if you get laid off, I want to trade you in for a richer model. It's unholy. And guess what? It's also not real love. See? Right? And if you don't have real love, can you have real joy? No. And if you don't have real love, can you really be happy? Come on. No. That's a pretty good argument, isn't it? I want to say something else to you. Something I've already said. If you're going to love, suffering is part and parcel of real love. In this life, where there's poverty and death and sickness and hurt, even if you don't get sick, even if your child doesn't die, if your best friends 
husband dies, you will hurt if you really love your best friend. Right? And if you really love your best friend and you will go to the pain of suffering for your best friend, you know what you're doing? If you will do it like that, you're doing it like Jesus. That's how Jesus loved us. The hardest, most terrible places and things that happened to us, he went there for us to share it with us, to bear it with us and for us. That's the cross. And if you go do that for somebody else, what you're doing is you're picking up a cross and you're loving them something like the way Jesus has loved us. And if you will go follow Jesus and go be with Jesus and you want to be like Jesus and share in Christ's love, suffering as Paul talks about, as the Bible talks about, then not only will there be suffering, we will run to other people in their suffering and we will know that we're running to Christ. We're running to holiness. This is the call of the gospel. Um, there's only kind of two ways to really not suffer. Well, I should say three. One is to stop suffering at all, you have to die. <laughs> In other words, dying, not be a part of this life. And actually, some people feel that the, the suffering in this life is so unbearable, that's what they choose. It's called suicide. Some of us just want to drain all suffering out of this life, so we just go into avoidance in everything. It's avoidance, avoidance, avoidance. Let's just watch happy TV shows and just eat food and do drugs. <laughs> That's slow suicide. There's fast suicide, the kind where you OD or jump off a bridge, and then there's a slow suicide. There's another way to stop suffering, and that is stop caring. Just stop caring. Stop loving anything. I'm not even talking about loving any one or any one in a deep way. <laughs> While I was thinking about this sermon, I was thinking, if I stop loving the Oakland A's, it will it will, won't hurt so much when they have a spectacular loss in the playoffs like happened last year. <laughs> there was this, I remember watching it, it, it I was like, I, I know this train is going to crash. And watching that seventh inning, that eighth inning, I mean, it was so painful <laughs> because I love this team. And then we're talking about something silly like baseball. But if I want to stop suffering, then all I have to do is stop caring. But if your son gets sick, my son left for a trip this week. He's on the East Coast right now. And while I was saying goodbye to him at the airport, I prayed, Lord, take him there safely. If that plane crashed, I would be destroyed. 
If I don't want to be destroyed inside my heart this way, all I have to do is stop loving my son, right? Like, that, like I can just do that. But if you stop loving, stop caring, you become inhuman. Let me go to part two of my message. The drama of particular love and sharing in the suffering of Christ. All this week I've been thinking about how I was going to get this across to you. If we're going to love, we love real people. Specific people. God doesn't just go, I just love the world. Like in some some touchy-feely, hippie fashion. That's what people, people who will sell like to celebrate the 60s, and I'm not trying to bash anybody here, but honestly, I, I, get that, I find that really annoying. We just love the world. I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't love anybody if you say that. I love my son. I know, I know how his hair curls. I know when he wakes up. I know what he likes. I know what his sins are. It's very particular. And when he got on that plane, it hurt because I was saying goodbye and because I had some fear to part with him. And if I lose him, it will hurt like crazy. There will be great suffering, tremendous suffering. It's particular love. But the drama of our life is this. The whole drama of your life, my life, all of our lives is that God wants to take particular love and take it to his highest, highest, most holy place. And if you will go there, you must go there with God. And if you will go there, from your life will stream heaven. That's what your life is really about. Your life my life, all of our life. That's what it's really about. <laughs> Will you have real, particular love in your life at its deepest, highest place of holiness where we drain it of sin? And the love is deep and it's real and it's rich. Will you have that? And if you will have that, it'll It'll hurt. And sometimes hurt very, very bad. And sometimes rip you apart right inside. And therein you will understand something of the cross. And how did I... <laughs> so I, I, all week long I was like, Lord, I, I, I don't know how to get this across. And then yesterday happens. <laughs> so I shared with you that our sister Jane... And, uh, and I, well, I know Jane. I know she's not going to mind if I talk about this, okay? So I don't know. I already know I don't have to ask her. Um, she may be embarrassed, but I know she's not going to mind. So I got this news that our sister Jane is pregnant. She's really huge, and she's complaining about it. And she said, this baby needs to come out. She's two weeks overdue, actually. And so on Friday... She was going to be induced. And so, um, actually, Thursday night, she texted me. And she texted me out of the blue. And 
She said, the baby's coming tomorrow. She ended up coming on yesterday, Saturday. And, and I was thinking, why is Jane texting me? And then I was thinking, oh, I know why she's texting me. I'm her pastor. And she's nervous. And she wants comfort from her pastor, whom she trusts. And so I'll encourage her. So I started encouraging her. And I was saying, I'll pray for this, and I'll pray for that. She said, oh, that's great. You're, that's great. She goes, you're the best. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm the best, but thanks, Jane. And then I've got this news, this heart-stopping news. Um, yesterday afternoon. So I actually, had a heart, I actually had a really busy day of work in the morning. Um, yesterday was my wife's birthday. <laughs> so I'm at home. I'm thinking about how I'm going to try to, I already missed half the day. <laughs> I couldn't give half the day to my wife because I was working really hard. And now I want to give the rest of the day to my wife, and I get this heart-stopping text from John Har. And Jane's mom had texted um, John's wife, Gina, that Jane was in the ICU. And when I saw ICU, my heart wanted to stop. And I started praying like mad. Lord, 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 no, no, no. No, no. Um, I knew there wasn't anything I could do. We were about to eat lunch. It was a late lunch. Finished eating a late lunch. <clears throat> then I got, a, I got a text. I, I called, actually. I called Gina. She told me she found out she's not in ICU. She's in critical care. And that's crazy. <laughs> I was like, critical care? And then I felt... Tremendous relief, actually, knowing that she's not in ICU, she's in critical care. Now, why am I saying these things? Um, so she's, this part of the sermon she will like. I do have a special love for Jane. <laughs> I love all of you guys, and I really do. I do. I endeavor to love all the people that I pastor. Because I can't call you to really love each other if I don't really love you. So I really try hard to love you. I really do. Okay, I really do. Some of you are harder to love than others, okay? <laughs> um, um, but I do have a special love for Jane, not because I picked her. I'm like, oh, pick Jane to specially love. I, I didn't. See, God did this to me. <laughs> you know, I... There's that. This was all in my mind yesterday afternoon. It was a backstory to this. Um, I believe God specially called me to love Jane's mom. <laughs> there are not a lot of people who know that God loves widows. <laughs> I mean, just deeply, deeply loves widows. I'm a pastor. As a pastor, I'm in the Bible a lot. <laughs> I drink in the Bible. And I know that it says again, again, again in the Bible, love widows, I love them. <laughs> and if I'm a pastor, I have to care about widows, something like the way God cares about widows. And a few years ago, um, Jane's father passed away. 
And I was there. Jane's father passed away from heart failure. His heart was slowly losing. So he didn't have just a sudden heart attack and die. It was slowly, 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 his heart was failing. And I was right there at the hospital. I mean, front row seat. There he is, lying on the table. Jane's mom was there, standing over him. Jane was standing right there, right next to her dad, wailing. And I stood right behind them. I was there, front row seat. And I have a special relationship that I feel like to Jane's dad. It's funny, I hadn't, to that day, I hadn't even met Jane's mom. So I didn't even know what she looked like. Well, maybe not to that day. I met her a couple days before. I didn't even know what she looked like until Jane's father went into the hospital because he was dying. And I felt like I had a special connection. I remember the first time I had lunch with Jane's dad. And it's like this older Korean guy. First, he, he kind of shocked me because he spoke fluent English. And then we started talking. We started talking about education and philosophy. And we were talking about colleges and so forth. And I started saying something about how I think my kids should go to college. And he goes, oh, yes. To my surprise, most Asian parents don't think like the way I think when it comes to college. And he immediately started agreeing with me. And he started talking about why he sent his daughter off to college, etc. And I just immediately, I marveled at this guy. And I knew that kind of something about him and I, he and I, we were cut from the same cloth. Because I know I'm kind of, I'm very weird in the way I think about certain things. And meeting another person who's weird in that same way, who normally in a culture that never thinks that way, that was a wild, that was, a, I mean, it was, I can remember that lunch like it was yesterday. It was soft tofu out there in Milpitas. I remember, remember, I remember this restaurant. I remember sitting there, looking at him, thinking like, I can't believe you just said what you just said. And I, knew, and I felt like the Lord just gave me an older brother friend. And I watched him love this harangjigi, the, the disabled children in our church. And I knew this brilliant, brilliant man, God had done something profound in him. And I don't know if you know this, but he was very, very important on the first bishop trip when we went to go um, do mission with uh, the Paiute Native Americans. I wasn't on that trip, but I know he was a very important leader on that trip. I can only imagine what it would be like. I sometimes, when we go to Bishop, I long, I said, I wish Jane's dad were here. I, and I do. I've, I've straight, straight said that out loud to the pastors. And when he passed away, um, I... I, I can't tell you how I know this. I just know this, okay? I cannot exactly tell you how I know this. Because that man is a special brother to me in our church. And now his wife is a widow. I just heard God say, love her. Do whatever you can. Whenever you get a chance to bless her, do it. And, um, and then the whole funeral and everything was, was so painful and terrible. And that's when Jane came into my life. Before, I never knew, knew Jane before that. Jane, of course, flew out here. Her father was dying. 
I think I met her once when she was very young, much younger, um, when she was actually under Pastor Young's care when she was still in high school. But I didn't really know her very well. And she really came into my life through tragedy. Later on, Ron, sh Ron shows up into the picture. Ron comes to uh, a sermon that I gave, and apparently it did a number on him. That's when I really started thinking, Lord, you're interesting. So this guy, Ron, apparently likes hearing the gospel the way I present it. And I knew. I knew it was on. <laughs> there was a, here is a pathway the Lord was saying out before me. Love this guy, Ron. If you love this guy, Ron, you will help Jane. And if you help Jane, you will love her mom. And I will love her mom. Get it? And so, um, I didn't particularly ask for these relationships. All I knew is God gave them to me. So I set about to bless this couple best I could. I didn't ask them to officiate their wedding. They asked me. <laughs> I, I didn't particularly necessarily, I honestly don't go out of my way to say, I want to do marital counseling for you, but I, I knew that I needed to do this for them. And so when Jane talks to me about her baby, I'm saying, well, your dad's not here. I'm your spiritual father. I'll encourage you. So that again, I could love your mom the way God loves your mom, the way the church should love your mom. And when Jane almost died yesterday, because <laughs> she almost died yesterday, she started bleeding in the middle of that pregnancy. The baby had come out and she just started bleeding profusely. And we almost lost her. Just thinking about it. <laughs> that hurts. Yesterday we went to the hospital. Um, you know, I showed Grace the text. Um, she knew. She knew where we were going to go. I said, Grace, do you want to go with me? She said, yes. We went. We went into the, the critical care unit where Jane was. We prayed for her. She was super tired, but she was herself. She was still her sarcastic self, <laughs> which made me happy. So it was Gina and Grace and I, and we prayed for her. And just as we were wrapping up the prayer, Ron came, Ron and Jane's mom, and as and I asked Ron what happened, and as he started sharing with me what happened during the pregnancy, he said, right when he got to the point where it said Harper came out and she was fine, and then she started bleeding. Jane started bleeding. And as he started talking about that part, Ron just started trembling. Never seen him like that before. And I was so grateful that I could be right there. Right there for him. I don't know what I could give him. I felt so little. But I can give him my heart. I could help pick up his cross. 
And therein, I put my hand on his shoulder. I don't know if like love can be transferred through the hand. I was like, Lord, whatever love is in my heart, let it just like flow in my hand into his heart. And Grace and I prayed for him and tried to give him comfort upon comfort. This is sharing in the cross of Christ. Let me wrap up my message. Um, all throughout our life, if you follow Jesus, these kinds of things. This isn't a pastor story. This happens to be a pastor story. One pastor story with one couple that God has given me to particularly love because he particularly loves them. Just as he loves not you in general, he loves Reuben. He loves John. Just like I love Hudson, that's how he loves you and me. And then he calls us to love each other like that. Right into the hurt. So deeply, we will hurt. Um, I'm going to close with two things. I'm going to give you a verse. I'm going to tell you a quick little story and we'll wrap up. The verse is 2 Corinthians 4, 17. If you've been doing our passages, this is one of the passages I picked these last couple weeks. And here's what it says. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is about suffering. And it's about how we have a treasure in what Paul calls a jar of clay. But he says, as we go through this suffering, he says, this is what it says, 2 Corinthians 4, 17. For this light, momentary affliction. That's what he calls that, light and momentary. Although we know sometimes it's not light, sometimes it's heavy, and it hardly feels momentary. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. See, this is what's happening. When we love somebody like this, there is an eternal eternity that's being laid down, which is, has, has a weight and a power. And it's far deeper and heavier than, than money or comfort or a day on the beach. For something is happening to others when you love them this way. You're changing their very eternity. You're pouring something into, if you just love one person this way, you are changing their very lives. You don't know how, how this is going to affect their children and their children's children. The very course of their lives is being changed. And just, just, let me just close with this short little story. And I've shared this with you before, and I was, this was on my mind last night as I went to bed. Um, many years ago, when my when I was a young boy, I was about maybe eight. Uh, my parents were hard scrabble immigrants. There was a lot of stress in their life. There was financial stress. And the financial stress, and there's culture, just tr trying to live in this strange and foreign culture where they can't speak the language. And there's stress in their lives because I, I was smoking with the neighbor's kid. 
I was. So I'm part of the stress. And it was producing tremendous marital problems. And I don't know. My dad never talks about these things. So I don't know whose sins were greater. And I'm not trying to blame either my mom or my dad. But my mom actually gave me a little window into this. And I know that leaving my dad was actually an option on her mind during that period. My parents have a good marriage today, but they didn't back then. And she was in great suffering. And she told me the way she dealt with it. We lived in this, um, we lived in the East Bay back that time in a townhouse. And she dealt with it by in the middle of the night, she would go into the garage and shut the door. She would get into the car and she would just cry and yell to God. I don't know if I can handle this. But she embraced Jesus to love my dad, to love me and my brother, to love us. And sometimes when I'm with my kids, I think, what if she did not make that choice? See? It's an eternal weight. If she didn't make that choice, maybe I'm not a pastor today. Maybe I don't love Jane today. Maybe I don't know how to walk into a hospital and go, this is why I live. This is not an imposition to me. It's actually a glorious thing to me that today is my wife's birthday. Today is Jane's daughter's birthday. I get to love Jane's daughter, love my spiritual daughter, Jane. And I get to love her because my mom loved me with an eternal weight of glory. Look the way Jesus loved her. See? And all this is going to be mine. And then some. And all these stories are going to come out. There'll be a lot of cross stories in heaven. They'll be the most glorious things ever. And we will cry. And we will praise. And there'll be joy. Infinite. This is why we live. This is only what the gospel can do. If you will go there. If you'll love your neighbors and your friends, your brothers and sisters like this. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord, that you saved Jane's life. She's not out of the woods. Please, please, please. I don't know if I could bear it. <laughs> Lord. So, out of mercy to us who love her and love Ron and love Harper, love Jane's mom, I even love Ron and Ron's folks. Um, will you protect Jane? And thank you that I have been loved this way by my mom that all of us, under your grace, we have been loved this way. We just don't know it. 
And of course, we have been loved this way from you, Jesus. And so I pray, Lord, now, may we run to you and go to the cross where your infinite divine love meets the meager love that we have. And we'll burn away the dross of our sin and make us more holy so that our love becomes more real. We will become more human, which just means we will become more divine. We'll become more like you. And our lives will have an infinite worth of eternal weight of glory flowing out of it. And in this dark and lost city, the beauty of heaven will shine. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship Jesus for the way he's loved us.